Welcome to the Center Point Pentecostal Church Podcast. We hope that this podcast finds you well and that you are ready for a life-changing message from one of our outstanding and anointed ministers. If you like this podcast, please be sure to give us a follow and a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. Now let's get to today's message. Amen. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. No greater place to be in the middle of the week than in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And I'm uh, thankful for all the Lord is doing, but I'm thankful we were able to put our wheels down for a couple of days. Amen. And uh, thankful to be here tonight. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to 1 Chronicles tonight. 1 Chronicles chapter 13 begin reading at verse 7, just a few verses of scripture there, and I'll let you be seated. First Chronicles 13, beginning at verse 7, and they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab, and Uzzah and Ahio drave the cart. And David and all Israel played before God with all their might, with singing and with harps and with psalteries and with timbrels with cymbals, with trumpets. And when they came into the threshing floor of Kidon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he smote him because he put his hand to the ark, and there he died before God. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, wherefore that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of God that day, saying, How shall I bring the ark of God home to me? So David brought not the ark home to himself to the city of David, but carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he With the help of the Lord tonight, I want to preach using this title, The Right Thing, The Wrong Way. The Right Thing, The Wrong Way. One more time, would you place your Bibles beside you? And could we just lift our hands and go to the Lord in prayer one more time? Would you do that? Would you lift your hands? Would you lift your voice? Would you open your mouth? And let's just go to the Lord one more time. Lord Jesus, we thank you. said in Jesus name one more time would you clap your hands and love the Lord amen you may be seated on July 24th 1874 Oswald Chambers was born in Scotland he was involved in a Bible training college in London and served as a chaplain to British Commonwealth troops in Egypt during World War I. He died at the early age of 43 from complications of an appendectomy. 
His wife, Biddy, transcribed her shorthand of his sermons and notes. From those come one of the most widely read devotionals entitled, My Utmost for His Highest. The devotional was published in the United States in 1934, 17 years after his death. One of Oswald Chambers' famous quotes was, Shut out every other consideration and keep yourself before God for this one thing only, my utmost for his highest. I am determined to be absolutely and entirely for Jesus and for Jesus alone. Many people still use the daily devotional, my utmost for his highest. Chambers has been quoted in sermons and speeches for many years. His message is clear and concise. Give God everything he deserves it. As we treasure the presence of God in our lives, each day we become more aware of his presence. As we offer our lives a living praise to him, he showers us with love, direction, and a deepening relationship. Yes, we certainly need to be reminded that the best we can give to our powerful, amazing, and merciful God is our everything. The God of all creation gave everything of himself to reach and to save fallen sinners, a creation who failed at serving him time and time again. Yet he still loved us enough to offer himself a sacrifice for our sins. The least we can do is give God our everything. Psalms 103, beginning at verse 1, this is a psalm of David. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth thine iniquities, who healeth thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. David is commanding his soul to bless the Lord and give him praise with everything he has. Then he reminds himself why I am to bless the Lord. And he begins this list of why his soul should be giving God praise. And that is because God has forgiven. God has blessed. God has healed. God, uh, have mercy. God has delivered. God has kept provision. God has kept his hand over him and his family. And so David said, bless the Lord, O my Come on, he's forgiven your sin. He's healed your diseases. He's saved your family. He's given you provision and blessing. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Amen. The tabernacle in the wilderness 
contain significant lessons for all people who would have a relationship with the one true God. The people of Israel moved this portable place of worship everywhere they journeyed on their way from Egypt to the promised land. First, there was the outer court. In this area, you would find the brazen altar, which could be a model for repentance. Then you'd find the brazen laver where natural cleansing took place, which you could say foreshadowed water baptism. From the outer court, the priests entered into the holy place, which contained the table of showbread, the golden candlesticks, and the altar of incense. Finally, on the other side of that great veil was the holy of holies. Inside this special place was the Ark of the Covenant. Only the high priest entered into this room once a year on the Day of Atonement. This Holy of Holies and the Ark of the Covenant represented the divine presence of the Almighty God. It was no accident that when Jesus Christ died on the cross that the earth shook and the heavy veil was torn from top to bottom, opening up the way into the Holy of Holies. This symbolized that all people everywhere could now have access to this holy presence of God. It seems always to have been God's desire to have an intimate relationship with his people. From the earliest days of life in the garden, God appeared to have an ongoing relationship with his creation. Further, when one considers the extent to which God went to provide human redemption after the fall, it seems safe to conclude God was determined to have a relationship with redeemed individuals. Consequently, it would seem that for a person to seek to live in God's divine presence, possible source of a human blessing. But sadly, in today's world, people choose to fill the void they have inside with other things. Things of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye and the pride of life. Things that they feel can bring them comfort or peace or happiness, but in reality it's only for a moment before it fades, before it breaks, before it rusts, before someone steals it, or before it just simply gives away. Leaving behind the emptiness the individual began with. We were created for intimacy, relationship but it is for the one who created us. Only Jesus can fulfill the emptiness of a longing soul. Psalms chapter 84 and verse two says, my soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. David understood that his only fulfillment would come from being in the presence of God. Nothing else would do it. Crowns wouldn't do it. Shepherding couldn't do it. Royal robes didn't do it. Women didn't do it. Prestige didn't do it. Money and a palace and the position of king could not, would not ever be able to fulfill the emptiness and the void that David had. He understood there's a longing in this soul and there's nothing of this world that can provide the answer to that longing soul. David also said in Psalm 16 and verse 11 that in the presence of God is fullness of joy. It is no wonder 
that David desired to return to Jerusalem the piece of the tabernacle furniture that represented the presence of the Almighty. The story is quite a sad one of the capture of the Ark of the Covenant. It began when many of God's people lost their respect for God, the house of God, and the things of God. They gave lip service to God while continuing to live lifestyles that failed to reflect honor and respect for God. For instance, God told Samuel about Eli the priest and his sons. He said in 1 Samuel 3 and 13, For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. As a result of this prevailing attitude towards God and righteousness, God and his holy things became only tools to utilize when somebody fell in trouble. My, my, how things haven't changed much. It's amazing we know how to call on God in times of trouble. But how many of us can honestly say we call on him in times of not trouble? God said, Samuel, Eli, his sons are horrible people. They don't love me. They don't respect me. They're using my house. They're using my name. They're using uh, their positions to serve themselves. You need to end this. But unfortunately, nothing was ever dealt with. And when we casually treat the things of God and Uh, just kind of overlook certain things and just kind of handle the things of God the way we think they should be handled or the way we want to handle them, sometimes God doesn't get real pleased about it. Well, praise God. Jesus spoke of this same type of scenario when he was addressing the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 15, verse 1 through 9. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read it, but he told the Pharisees, you treat the commandments of God how you want. You use what you want to your benefit. You preach one thing to the people, but you live a totally different way behind closed doors. They lost their respect and reverence to the presence and the word of God. They used a position to gain power, wealth, and influence. And because of that, they lost out on the presence of God. We find this same example in 1 Samuel. It became plain, ordinary, and routine and ritual instead of sincerity and relationship. And in that they lost the presence and protection of God. Church, we must be careful tonight that this don't ever become ordinary, plain, or routine. Because when this becomes just another religious tradition that I do to keep grandma off of my back or to just say that I go to church, we're going to lose out on the presence and the blessing of God. You hear this preacher, I'm burdened tonight. I'm going to preach to you here in just a minute, but you got to let me lay a foundation. We can't just treat this as just some hum-ho, run-of-the-mill type thing that we do because we ain't got nothing else to do. Honey, this is what saved my life. This is what put joy and peace back into my spirit. This is what's going to get us to heaven. If you don't want to go to hell and you want to make it to heaven, it's time to get serious about Jesus and his word and his spirit and his house. 
Come on, we're in the last of the last days. If there was ever a time to be serious about God, it's now. This is a matter of where our soul is going to spend eternity. Woo. Never mind jumping and shouting and chasing the chandeliers. I love it, but never mind that. This is more than that. This is more than me leaving feeling good. This is about me leaving knowing I'm saved. Hello? It's not about us packing the house and saying that we got a bunch of numbers, but it's about a place where I can go that I know I'm hearing the word of God and I know that my soul is going to be saved and my name is written in the Lamb's book of life somewhere. cannot allow the presence of God to leave us and be lost forever. It's sad because I never thought we'd live in an hour where you have to ask this question in an apostolic church, but unfortunately, as my wife and I are doing our travels, this question must be asked more often now than it ever has. Why are we here? Because I've seen people who I know personally need God to move in their life and sit in a service. I know people who come to the house of God who are broken, who are looking for answers, who are on the verge of getting a divorce, who's on the verge of some terminal illness, who's on the verge of some heartbreaking news, and they are in desperate need of a move of God, and they do nothing. So my question is, why are we here? Why have we come? Surely we have come on this Wednesday night not because it's a religious obligation, not because I don't want anybody to think I've backslid and not coming to church, but I'm here even on a Wednesday night because I need a word from God. I need God to move. I need God to do something in my family. I've got to have an answer. I've got to have a healing. I've got to have a deliverance. I need to see somebody receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Come on, there's nothing wrong with a Wednesday night being just like a Sunday night, a Sunday morning, being just like a Wednesday night. They all need to matter in the eyes of God. Can I say it how I feel it? Never mind who's preaching. Never mind who's singing. Never mind who's here. Honey, God's here. Anything can happen. Anything can take place in the presence of God. And when I get that mindset that says I'm not here for people, I'm not here for preachers, I'm not here for singers, I'm here to get into the holy of holies. Oh yeah. I'm here to meet God. Honey, we're too close to the end. I don't have time to be picking and choosing. I need every service. I need every time God's speaking. 
I want to take advantage of every time I can be in the presence of God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Can we clap our hands and love the Lord one more time? It would be difficult to fault David's desire to return the ark to its rightful home in Jerusalem. It was a holy artifact that was rich with spiritual heritage and significance to the people of Israel. If you don't hear anything else I say, please hear this. However, doing the right thing is never enough if you don't do it the right way. David learned this lesson the hard way. Symbolic of the lack of respect that led to Israel losing the ark to their enemies in the first place, David and his people failed to discover the proper way for handling this holy piece of furniture. The reason they lost it to begin with is because they had no respect for this holy piece of furniture. And we must understand as people of God, we can't handle God's presence or his word just any old way. It can't be done just any old way. It can't be done through flesh. It can't be done through our intellect. It can't be done through the way we think it should go. It can only be done by the way God said it should be done can't be done on how we feel it should go. The presence of God, the work of God, the house of God should all be handled according to God's way. It should be taken seriously and handled carefully with respect and reverence. God is holy, but guess what? So is his house. Is this okay? If I get in trouble, you just come take the mic. God is holy, but so is his house. God is holy, but so is his word. God is holy, but so is his presence. God is holy, and so should be his ministry. God is holy, and so should be anybody that represents him. Well, praise God. This all right? I'm not here to preach on standards tonight. That's his job. But I will tell you this. God is holy and there is nothing else that can take the place of that. And so if we have a holy God, then his house must be holy and his ministry must be holy and any other place must be holy. Amen. Amen. David decided. He had this bright idea you know what, let's get the ark back over here. Maybe it'll help, maybe it'll boost morale, maybe we'll see revival in the city again. But David failed to study or remind himself on how the ark was really supposed to be brought back. So David decides, we're gonna bring it in the way they hauled it off. We're gonna get us some ox, we're going to get us a brand new cart because it is God's representative of God's presence. So we're going to get us a brand new heart, uh, cart. And we're going to go down there and we're going to pick it up. And we're going to bring it back 
to the house of God. And as they begin to move the ark out of the house of Abinadab, the Bible says the oxen stumbled and Uzzah reached out to steady the ark with his hand. And when he did, he suffered a very dire consequence because the ark was being mishandled. Not understanding the proper protocol for carrying and handling the ark, Uzzah kindled God's anger and was struck dead. After the threat at the threshing floor of Kidon, the oxen drawing the cart on which the ark rested stumbled and rocked it. Uzzah reached out his hand to steady it. And this was a serious offense since God had only authorized the Levites to carry the tabernacle and all of its furnishings. The Ark of the Covenant was never supposed to be carried the way it was being carried. It was supposed to be carried by the Levites upon their shoulders. There was no easy way to do it. There was a sacrifice involved, a heavy burden to bear in order for the presence of God to be brought in somewhere. It took work, it took sweat, perhaps even tears and blood, but only dedicated, consecrated, qualified, set-apart men could bring could bring the Ark of the Covenant back to where it needed to be. <laughs> Could only be carried upon the men that have dedicated their lives to God and His service. <laughs> it was never meant to be carried with oxen and a cart. And I want to tell us here tonight that we cannot think that the flesh can produce a work of the spirit, a spirit. Flesh can't, man's ways can't, man's ideologies can't. Nothing can usher in a deep move of God unless there has been dedication, consecration. It's going to get tight in here in just a minute. There's nothing easy about this. And if you think there is, call the elders who built all of this that we're rejoicing in tonight and ask them how easy they had it. If we think we're going to get more of God and do less than what they did, we are setting ourselves up for failure. Well, praise God. Maybe I'm just a old soul in a young man's body on a soapbox here tonight, but I'm telling you what I got to preach, what I felt in my spirit. There's only one way to get the presence of God in, and that's through a burden, and that's through dedication, and that's through sacrifice, and that's, is this all right? That's through being called and separated and being holy to the one who's called us to be holy and separated. 
We think we can just waltz in on a Sunday morning, sing a few good songs, and God's gonna move in and do something. We're sadly mistaken. The only way the presence of God moves is by somebody getting a burden and pray and dedicate themselves. Apostolic churches were not built on the backs of oxen and carts. Revival is not swept in by oxen and carts. Programs are good. We need them. We need great songs. We need anointed musicians. We need talent. We need great preachers. But can I tell you all that talent and all of that, it's not going to do anything without anointing. God said there's a way to do this. David, I appreciate your efforts. I'm so glad you want to get me back into Jerusalem. But can I tell you, you're doing it the wrong way. And because you refused to go and seek out the way to do Uzzah paid the price. Huh. Now, most commentators say it's the sin of Uzzah. But I beg to differ. My opinion, it's the sin of David. Because it was his idea. And so David set these men up for failure by not going and seeking out how can I get this back properly. But I'll tell you what happened, Brother Rodney. The Bible says when the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant, they loaded it upon a cart and they hauled it away by oxen. And so they immediately thought, well, it was carried out of here that way. Oh, boy. It was carried out of here that way. I guess we'll just bring it back in that way. And as I was reading that, it's like something leaped off the pages to me. The presence of God was carried away by oxen and carts. And when we start substituting things of the flesh and things of the world and man-made ideas and we think we're going to get the presence of God moving, the only thing that's going to do is get the presence of God far, far away. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> there was only one way to get it there, and there is still only one way now. It was to be brought in by holy men of God who had been dedicated and separated. And we can't expect God to come in on the devices and the ideologies of men, gimmicks and tricks and lights and smoke machines. All oh, that is great if you want to have a party, but if you want to have a move of the Holy Ghost, it still takes somebody being prayerful. It still takes somebody worshiping when they don't feel like it. It still takes somebody holding up that holy banner of God, saying this is the word, this is the truth, this is the way, walk ye therein. 
come on, it's still gonna take somebody holding up that banner of God that says there's only one God and his name is Jesus. You must be born again of the water and of the spirit. You must be baptized in the only name given among men whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus. You must receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's only one way. I'll prove it to you. I'll use one scripture and prove it to you. Jesus said, I am the, T-H-E, the way. He never said, I am a way. I am part of the way. Singular, the. That's only one way. And so I beg to differ. If your church is not preaching this truth, if your church is not preaching Jesus is the only God, if your church doesn't believe in Jesus' name baptism, if your church doesn't preach the infilling of the Holy Ghost, if your church doesn't preach to be apostolic, dedicated, separated, consecrated unto God, it is not the church. Crucify me if you want to, but that's not gonna cut it. There's no loopholes with God. There's only one way. God said, somebody mishandled the ark. Uzzah, you're gonna pay the price. I'm gonna finish say something here. I'm probably already in trouble, but I'm finna say something here. Uzzah paid the price for David's carelessness. How many souls are going to pay the price for my carelessness? Think about that. Every time we show them a watered down, half-hearted, easy road type of Christianity, all we're doing is setting up a bunch of oozes and they're dying spiritually. But our job, King David, is to open the holy writ and study and see how do we handle what's been given to us. And once we study and see the plan that God has given on how to handle this truth and how to handle this word and how to handle his presence, now it's my responsibility to go out there and do it. Guess what? It's not only my responsibility to do it, but it's my responsibility to take those three young ladies that I call my daughters and teach them how to do it so they don't die at my carelessness. Oh boy. Moms, dads, grandpas, grandmas, spiritual fathers, mothers, we have a very serious job on our hands. Because we are setting up the next generation either to be great or to fail. And I'm not talking about money and jobs and education. I'm talking about the way we handle this truth. Let me, let me just go ahead and break it down for you. Because I was a youth pastor. I saw it. When we as parents casually handle the church, what do you think our kids are going to do? 
decide that prayer is not really that important and the altar really is just a piece of furniture in the church. It don't really have much meaning. That the word of God is great Sunday school stories to sing about, but you know, we really don't have to study it all that hard. Pastor preaches about it every Sunday. We can just listen to him and we're doing all right. But my Bible says, study to show thyself approved. Unlike Uzzah, we don't have an excuse. We can't pass it on somebody else. We're all gonna be charged with it. And so how are we handling this? It doesn't matter how the Philistines done it. It doesn't matter how they carried the presence of God away. What matters is how God wants it done. It's great that we're here, but why are we here? It's great you come to church, but why do you come to church? It's great that you own a Bible, but why do you own a Bible? It's not just for preachers to study. It's not just for ministers and Sunday school teachers to pull a lesson out of. How many of us are doing the right thing, but we're doing it? I just want to pause right here and say this. David's intentions were great, but good intentions didn't get Uzzah saved. And good intentions won't get us saved. Well, praise God. You got to be born again of the water and of the spirit. I know hundreds of good people. But if they don't get this doctrine, I'm afraid they may not be saved. That's not me. That's Bible. Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said, you won't even see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. Now, you can argue with me all you want, but I want you to go sit down and argue with Jesus because that's what he said. There's only one way. There's only one way to handle this. There's only one way to do this. So God is not going home. You think God is going to let Paul and Peter and John and all these other guys die the death they did and then look at us and say, y'all can have it easier than that. I wonder what happens to our mindset sometimes that we think, well, I'm here, now move, God. And God said, wait a minute, who are you? That's not how we do things here. There's a way about it. There's a way to do it. There's a way to get it. Oh, praise God. I didn't mean to upset anybody. But we can't copy the Philistines' way of doing it. The Philistines took the presence of God away. And if we think we're going to look at the world's model of having church and think we're going to have revival, we're mistaken. Or if we think we're going to pick and choose what scriptures we can preach and we're going to get a house full of people that is saved, we're mistaken. we got to preach it all, every bit of it. It took all of Jesus to die on the cross 
to save us from our sin, it's gonna take all of Jesus to be preached to a crowd to save them of their sin. I'm helping somebody here tonight. The world is going to look for the easy road. The world is going to look for the road that requires less sacrifice, less hard work, less dedication, less prayer and study of the word, less services, less revivals, less prayer meetings. Just put it on a cart and let some oxen pull it in. I don't have time to carry it the way we should have. I've got other things planned. I'm too busy in the middle of the week, so just go ahead and get a few good songs and entertain me on Sunday, but I don't really have time to bring in anything to the house of God. I'm just too busy. I don't want to sacrifice anymore. I'm tired. Oh, Jesus. I've got too many things happening in the middle of the week. I can't make much time for that. It would be so much easier if we just got a cart in here and an ox in here and loaded that thing on there and ran it down to the city because I've got practice in two hours. I've got a thing in two hours. I'm, I'm busy. I've got overtime to catch up on. I've, I've got paperwork to do. And God said, no, 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 no. You think you're going to bring my presence in on that? You're sadly mistaken. David, you better park that thing and you better get your back on your face and get back in my word and see how it's going to take to get my presence back into the city. Ooh, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> but it's hard work. This thing is heavy. It's at least 12 miles from where it was to Jerusalem. That's a long walk with this thing on your back. But God said, never said it was going to be easy. But if you do it, I'll come through on everything I've promised to do. If you hold up your end, I'll hold up mine. If you handle me and my presence the way that I've asked you, I will hold up my end of the bargain. Romans 12 and 1 says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The writer there didn't even think that that was some kind of hard thing to ask. He said, hey, this is your reasonable service. Christ died for you. The only thing he wants you to do is just live for him. The only thing he's asking you to do is shun the world, dedicate yourself to him, study his word, be full of his spirit, and tell everybody else about how good he is. That's the only thing he's asking you to do. Could you do that? Present yourselves a living sacrifice. Being consecrated, dedicated, striving and working hard to do what is pleasing to God 
And the writer said, this is our reasonable service. It's the least we can do for all he has done for us. I had somebody tell me one time, gee whiz, when I was a youth pastor, he said, gee whiz, Brother Lee, you take church very serious. I kind of laughed. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, how serious was the cross? I said, how serious was the cross? Seemed like a pretty serious situation to me. And so if Jesus takes me being redeemed from my sins that serious, how much more should I take me being with him serious? Jesus said, if any man follows him, he must first deny himself and take up his cross. David, unfortunately, had to learn this lesson in a very tragic way. And we must stop and take a look at what we're doing before it's too late. I don't want what I'm doing to cost me my spiritual life, my ministry, or my family's salvation. I don't want it to cost my church's revival. I want to do the right thing, but I also want to make sure I am doing it the right way way stand with me I've got so much to go through but we have to close thank you for listening to today's message we pray that it changes and impacts your life for days to come if you would like to connect with us further give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash centerpoint Pentecostal church or just search centerpoint Pentecostal church on Facebook If you would like to join one of our services in person, the service times and address are in the podcast description. Thank you and God bless, and we hope to see you on the next episode.